What's up, Sober Family? Welcome to I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye. This is Dana uh, <laughs> recording on location at Jolly Pirate Donuts in Grove City, Ohio with my new friend Andrew Hash, who, like me, just passed a year of sobriety. And we're going to be chatting today uh, in a, kind of like a fixture of Colum Southwest Columbus, Ohio. Um, there's nothing quite like a Jolly Pirate uh, treasure chest of donuts which I've got to take home to the family here but anyway I just want to welcome thank uh, Andrew for reaching out to me and we're just gonna have a conversation about his sobriety and listen to like I just want to hear all about your story man and like I'm so glad to get linked with someone from Columbus that um, we can like I don't know I've been waiting to have this local interview and I'm happy to be here uh, I know Dana your podcast was one of the first things I started getting into when I was starting off my sobriety so it was, it was a big deal to have that platform to kind of fuel what I was doing yeah. and, and learn from because conversations and reading and listening are how you get to be successful with sobriety yeah I, I like a sponge early on just trying to absorb every which way even if I wasn't following the same path I feel like there was things I could learn yeah. so. I think we all had that like one show or that one resource when we first started out that um we rely on it. So when you said that to me, that I was the first podcast, like that really just meant so much to me. Like there are times in a, and when you have a little podcast where you're like, man, you know, I really want to get big. And then you just have to remind myself, like that the, if a hundred people listen to the podcast this week, like that's a hundred people that listen to the podcast. Like it's a hundred like real stories, real lives. And it doesn't matter. Yeah. It would be great to be big, but that doesn't matter because there's like real people that you know and, and again you're the first like in-person interview that I've had so this is like a very special moment for me but I'm just so glad that you um, were willing to take the time out of a Sunday morning to come and talk and like um, tell me about your story what's the backstory to drinking and, and stopping yeah well first it's awesome to meet you too I, I can't I gotta say one of the things that's been the coolest through this whole sobriety journey and stuff is meeting people along the way yeah. because you don't realize how close you are to people and when you cross paths it's just it's it's touching, so yeah. it's awesome to be here in person, yeah. especially a Jolly Pirate Donut. Yeah. <laughs> um, for me, uh, alcohol had probably always been something that was a problem for me, and I never really focused on it. I started drinking at 13, um, was a binge drinker from, from 13 on, uh, into my 20s and stuff like that, but what's funny is, while I probably definitely had a problem drinking then, it didn't become a realization until my 30s when it became a daily thing. Okay. Um, never affected my work or family or anything like that. It just did damage to myself. Um, it's it's crazy to think like <laughs> through all the crazy partying and binge drinking and stupid things I did that it was the daily drinking at home yeah. that put me in a world of hurt. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I came to the realization through some health problems uh, and then reevaluating, trying to moderate, failing, <laughs> and then coming to the terms that I had to stop, had to stop completely, and turning to any which way I could to, to find ways to, to be sober and do it successfully. Yeah. And, yeah, so that's that's where I am now. Um, it, it's going well. It, it wasn't always the uh, smoothest path, <laughs> for sure, because uh, it's, it's weird when people are like, wow, you didn't seem like you are an alcoholic. And I was like, well, I don't really frame myself even as alcoholic. I don't even care, like, what you term it. I had a problem with alcohol, period. Yeah. And... 
people can hide it really well. <laughs> so <laughs> yes, yes, we can. <laughs> it's not always going to be super obvious. Um, where I never missed work, I never had any of those problems. I would show up on half a tank <laughs> and, and and be all right. I wouldn't be drunk at work or anything like that. It was just I would come home and the first thing I'd do is drink. I'd, so yeah. Well. Yeah, and, and whatever we call it, I remember my, my psychiatrist saying to me, it, you don't, it, he's like, if, you, if alcohol negatively affects your life, then, then you need to do something about it. It doesn't matter, what, doesn't matter what we call it, right? And I think we get so caught up in, in labels in the United States especially, and so it's, it's, I'm glad that you were able to see past that and just say, you know, objectively, whatever, whatever we want to call this, it's not good, and... So what was it that was the catalyst finally to, to take in that step? There was a, an aha moment for me, for sure. Um, so I tried moderating for a while, and I was a big whiskey drinker, always had been, and it got to a thing where it was so popular and niche that yeah. I was like, I don't have a problem, everybody's doing this. Like, everybody's caught on to what I was doing, I'm, I'm good. So it, it never really hit me until it hit me. <laughs> and so I tried moderating unsuccessfully for months, and then I had a Super Bowl party, did no whiskey. I'm like, you know what? I can control this. I'm hosting it. I'm not going to do whiskey. I'm not going to get out of control. So we did tequila, mezcal. Did like a whole walking taco theme. It was fun. Nice. But drank about a bottle of tequila and half a bottle of mezcal. So apparently the problem wasn't I like whiskey too much. It was that I do have a problem with alcohol. So that was a pretty harsh realization that it's not a whiskey thing. It's yeah. not a, like... As much as I can say, I love the flavors of that. Yeah. It was a problem with alcohol, and that was the aha moment for me. Of damn it! <laughs> I thought you were gonna say that you switched to beer, and then you're like, switched to te- for me, tequila was like the <laughs> was was dead was was deadly. So like, oh my god! Like, so, I'm just glad you're okay. And uh, so so there wasn't any sort of like rock bottom moment. There wasn't really this one like ne- hugely negative thing that happened. You just like kind of realized before it got completely out of control. I would say the moment was, was it wasn't one singular moment. It was a slow rolling moment through 2021 okay. of dealing with long COVID, thinking okay. like all my problems, because I started having weird reactions to alcohol and stuff like that. And okay. I'll never be able to pinpoint whether it was the COVID or whether it was all the damage that alcohol had been doing to myself, but I started having issues where it, it just, I would just not feel great afterwards. I'm not talking like hungover. Like it was just, I was starting to feel different. Yeah. So I was like, huh. But guess what? I kept drinking. <laughs> so you'd think that was like, like maybe a clue to stop, but I kept drinking, kept drinking. Then I finally yeah. started seeing a doctor and found out that I had Barrett's esophagus with dysplasia. Um, so that's precancerous cells. Okay. And that was the, the moment of, oh, <laughs> okay. like, like, wait a minute. I really do have a problem. I need to try and rein this in. And then okay. you'd be shocked at how doctors won't even tell you to quit drinking. They all are like, you can just moderate. Because yeah. how often are we honest with our doctors about how much we actually are drinking? Because <laughs> right. I know I wasn't. Right. I, even then I wasn't. I wasn't like telling them, like, oh, yeah, it probably is the drinking. Because two to three bottles of whiskey a week are probably problematic well, <laughs> and not good for your health. That's the cancer that I was never aware of until recently as I've been writing for Reframe and writing some ads and stuff about the health impacts or, or helping write different pieces of content about the health impacts of alcohol and like oral and like 
esophageal like cancer is like a big like yeah. that's directly like it's proven alcohol causes that but that's not one that I would have thought of you know no you think about it because like the only thing you think of like when I was going through those issues and stuff I do physicals I work at a hospital and stuff like that so I like do physicals do annual blood work and my liver was fine my yeah. kidneys were fine yeah. everything's functioning great I was not looking great because I was puffy and overweight and everything but I just assumed that was getting older and that's what it was yeah. but yeah. really what hit me over the head was like oh my gosh I've done this to myself like yeah. literally no other reason I like I could have prevented this and I still didn't stop then like I was like okay I'm gonna moderate like I've got this I know like it's the painful realization that you have to moderate and I never thought like I have to stop but then I started to realize more and more as I tried months after month of okay I'm gonna moderate I'd go two weeks three weeks and then I'd like you earn this and then it'd be you just finished a bottle of whiskey that night like what the hell are you doing yeah and it kept happening over and over and over again and then finally that realization of trying to make one more change from whiskey to something else that you didn't habitually drink and realize like (laughs) you have a problem (laughs) like you gotta cut it all out so I did cut it all out and uh I actually went out to dinner and did have another drink again in March (laughs) because you think like every time you think like I've got to stop but I I did and then I it's one of those things that like even after I had that aha moment I still had one more night where I had a a couple drinks and Mm -hmm. it just didn't hit me until it's hard to say like what made it stop after that next time because I didn't didn't get hammered or anything that time we went out to dinner I had drinks there was no non-alcoholic options I didn't even explore non-alcoholic options at that time it was just I was out had the drinks went home poured myself a whiskey again and I was like what the hell are you doing (laughs) and then stopped and that's kind of where I I went on that and I really did I've talked before about shutting it down and I did I absolutely shut it down I didn't go out and do things like I I had to hunker down and sit with my thoughts and really focus on what can you do? What is driving you to these things? And, and have those hard conversations with myself that were pretty difficult early on. Yeah. I got very lucky that um, here in uh, Columbus, Ohio, we have Pelotonia. Yeah. And ended up riding for Pelotonia that year and latching onto that is like, you know what, this is going to be your focus. Okay. And you're still going to abstain from alcohol and everything and being alcohol free as you deal. But this is going to help drive it because any of that's going to slow you down anyways. So let's hone in on the training. And that was awesome for like the first five months while I trained up to the ride and everything like that. But then what I caution people with latching on to something that, that eventually ends is you need to mentally prepare yourself for when it ends. Yeah. Because the toughest time I had after that with sobriety was the month after it was all done. Okay. When the ride was over, a month afterwards, things slowed down and then it was done. And I didn't have that thing to latch on to anymore and that whole month every day cravings wanting alcohol like it it hit me every freaking day in october of well that's what i was going to ask i was thinking pelotonis in the like in the late um fall and so you're coming out of that and then going straight into the holidays right yeah so it goes so you start registrations in march and then you go to the the ride which is in august and this year they've got another ride in september so yeah they lead you right up to that month of October and then you're right into the holidays where you're not doing anything and I just I didn't mentally prepare myself enough for that and I probably should have been 
talking to counselors or done something extra to, to prepare myself. So if mm -hmm. I can tell anybody, if you're, if you're latching onto something that is finite and there eventually is an end to it, make sure you're prepared for when it ends because that was that was tough. Like that was probably the hardest month of sobriety for me of just like I didn't know what to do with myself after that. Yeah. And what did you? So what did you do? I, I so for that I it, on my Instagram account and everything you can see that I'm, I'm into the NA drinks and stuff yeah. like that. But I stopped all that too because okay. I don't believe in them as a substitute to drinking. Okay. I don't think that's. That's a good way to apply them. They're they're healthy alternatives to gear yourself to if you enjoy the taste of stuff like that yeah. and, and and go that route. But when you're having cravings and stuff like that, I feel like you set yourself up for failure by just trying to plug something in. Yeah. So instead, for that month, um, I still had an occasional NA beer, but I like just hunkered down and actually journaled, sat with my thoughts when I had those drinks because I did find through a lot of conversations with people online and stuff like that, that if you can make it through the first 10 to 15 minutes of that internal yeah. battle of whether you need that drink or not, you're going to make it through it okay. Yeah. And I found that to be true almost every time, that 10 to 15 minutes of talk to yourself through, write down what you're feeling, get through that craving, and you get through to the next day. Yeah, and I've always been trained. It's like 20 to 30 minutes is the ma is is usually what the the cravings are. But but I I don't know. I don't think it's even that long. I think it is that more like critical first few minutes of when you get that craving. Like you kind of know already. Like or at least for me, it was like I kind of know if I'm gonna cave on this early. Like I had to nip it in the bud very very quickly. So it's so some of the tools that you used in that critical window was like going to the like journaling and or did you do did you try to like change what you were doing like do something physical or 100 percent physical activity was my crutch okay. I, and i lean on that today still yeah. I, and i'm not saying you got to be like a, a hardcore gym rat it was as simple as all right you know what i came home from work i feel like i need a drink walk the dogs okay. like get your butt outside if you can't go outside stretch do something like just do something physical because that physical activity at least is a distraction yeah and you can work through the thoughts afterwards or while you're doing it but physical activity was 100 percent what got me through every one of my cravings was stop physical activity <laughs> when, when we all get sober it's like everybody sees like all these like people going on hikes and stuff like yeah. that and you're becoming one with nature <laughs> and i'm like it's not that we all just all of a sudden become like woodland creatures or something like that it's it's that we were always hungover or always fixated on drinking that we didn't do stuff like that. So I think the first couple months and, and maybe the first year, I don't know, like it, you just, it's getting out there doing stuff you wouldn't have done or had the energy to do. Um, and with the physical activities and stuff like that, and I think a lot of people can, can get dissuaded by uh, like that becomes a roadblock for them almost where they yeah. like an injury or they're too tired and they just fall back into bad habits yeah so with all of that the f primary focus still is remaining alcohol free like eliminating alcohol like that should be the only thing you focus on you're going to have hiccups along the way so creating like a detailed plan and sticking to that plan yeah. don't go too hard don't go too light like just stick to the plan and you can get through those things and adjust once it's done. So commit yourself to six weeks of a workout program or just going on walks every day. Just pick that one thing, get through there, and stick to the plan. Because I think what I failed with when I was trying to moderate in 2021 and stuff like that before I started realizing the health problems and I was just a, a puffy guy that <laughs> I didn't like who I saw in the mirror 
was that I kept finding excuses and ways to set back. Like I'd go to the gym and remember what I used to do and push it too hard and I'd get an injury. So then I'd be like, oh, I can't work out. I guess I'll just pound this bottle of whiskey instead. Yeah. And then it compounds and it gets worse. So I had to be pretty harsh on myself to eventually like have that realization to stop. But while you're in the process of recovering and stuff like that, be kind to yourself, focus on the, the aspect of you are here to no longer drink like that's the primary goal weight loss getting more active and doing that stuff all comes in time with the energy you get back from giving up on alcohol okay. so that's one of the things that i try to talk to people because they're like oh yeah you just gave up alcohol and the pounds fell off i'm like no <laughs> i mean i was drinking about 800 to a thousand empty calories a night so there was some initial weight loss yeah. but the biggest thing was i I focused on that. I got energy to do things again. Like, I wake up now, and it doesn't take me hours and hours to, to get my head right. Like, I can do things now because I have the energy, and I'm not sandbagging myself with alcohol. Yeah. Tell me about, like, what is it? what have your relationships been like um, throughout this process? Like, were there friends or family that were part of the part of the story as well? Or um, has it been mostly something that you've done on your, on your own? Or... Um, it, is there is there anybody that's? Or, I know you mentioned your app too, like that. Um, oh God! Oh, the I am sober. I am sober. Yeah, app. Yeah. Thank you. So there was there was the app. Were were there people that you've met there, um, or just relationships in general? How how those been a part of your a part of your journey? Uh, so I didn't really have to lose any friendships. I feel like if I would have done this and successfully done this in my twenties, there might have been some relationships yeah. that I needed to cut ties with then. But uh, for the most part, friends and family and everything have been understanding. I don't have a lot of sober friends and family. Okay. Um, I have one friend who's also abstained from alcohol and stuff like that. So uh, it, it, it was a solo journey from I'm the only one that I know really being sober okay. and going out and doing things like that. So I'm around alcohol a lot, okay. uh, which I know can be really difficult for a lot of people. And for me, it wasn't easy early on either. Um, I'm in a really comfortable spot now to where it doesn't really phase me, which is awesome. But I also realize like that could be a temporary thing. Who knows? Um, but uh, my wife's been very supportive. She's not a very heavy drinker, so that helps. It's not like I have alcohol flowing at the house. Um, she's been great through this whole process and understanding through the ebbs and flows because uh, <laughs> there there are some some mood swings and such. <laughs> um, but. And it's more of what I latched onto was the Instagram community. Yeah. Um, the I Am Sober, I just kind of used for journaling and stuff like that. I didn't really reach out much through it. I feel bad that I didn't post a lot about it during sobriety and stuff like that. But it was like my, my personal journal, yeah. almost. So um, I kept with that uh, privately. Uh, but on Instagram and stuff, very vocal. I said when I was going through this, I was like, I feel like there's a lot of people that are like me and feel like they're like well I'm not an alcoholic but are damaging themselves quite significantly by alcohol so I'm like let me talk about it see if it helps anybody and if there's one person along the way it's like oh yeah that's me yeah. and I, I can do this too Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to and in this sober Instagram community talked to a bunch of people met a, a few people out and stuff here in awesome. Columbus and awesome. stuff and now about it's been great that support group has been awesome not to say that all of Instagram is rainbows and butterflies there's some, <laughs> some pretty negative stuff floating around out there too and some people can be very critical of how others recover yeah um, the one thing that I have been true to the whole time is that I don't believe there's one 
way to recover. I think all that matters is that you're recovering successfully and it's working for you. Yeah. So I'll never be critical of folks that have something that works for them. Uh, all I can speak to is my own personal experiences. Like, I, like I'm not a counselor. I'm not. I have zero training in any of that stuff. I have zero desire to do any of that stuff because it's not me, and I don't think it's appropriate. Yeah. So I'm just talking about my experiences, and if people want to ask questions about the experiences or, or have any discussions around those, I'm here for it because I think the the one thing to for me. I have to recover out loud. I have to talk about it out loud. Mm -hmm. And I'm at a point now where I don't have to preface that I'm sober to everybody under the sun. Um, As much as I like to talk about sobriety, I am more of this is me and I happen to be sober. Mm -hmm. And if they want to talk about it and go on about it, I will. Um, But I feel like I've, I've hit this awesome groove of I'm living life, I'm experiencing new things, and, and getting back to a, a healthy lifestyle all because of breaking up with alcohol. And sobriety is now just a part of me and is not my whole personality or anything. Like, I had to make it at first. Yeah. And it, it, it's a nice little groove to be in right now. And tell me about that at first, too, because we are meeting at Jolly Pirate Donuts, and you said in the first couple months, you know, that it was... Um, on your way to work and that, that this would be a way that, that, you know, coffee and donuts was a way that you um, kind of survived those early days. How did you how did you show yourself grace throughout the whole process, like with, say, donuts or with, say, not, you know, how did, how did you strike that balance of putting pressure on yourself to change without putting too much pressure on yourself? I think you already kind of touched on that, but if you would... Yeah, um, so nobody, like, I, I guess I should have, like, done a little more research and realized that sugar cravings were a real thing. <laughs> um, I guess when you take away all that, that sugar from the alcohol that you're doing there, that there's a void. Yeah. Um, and I've never been a huge sweet person. Uh, I love donuts and stuff like that in the past, but I've never been, like, a daily sweets person. I, I declined dessert at dinners, used to at least. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but... But now, like, sweets very much are, are something I enjoy. And uh, the donuts and stuff like that, like, whenever I would have a rough day or something like that, swinging by a Jolly Pirates, getting a coffee and a donut was always something that was a, a nice little treat. It wasn't even, like, a, hate to say, treat or reward or anything like that. It was just a, something to have, look forward to. Yeah. And I think it was good at the time to have those things. Um, now that I, I've kind of hit a groove and stuff uh, I probably don't come as much uh, but I do still love this place yeah. <laughs> um, and, and it's always nice to, to swing by and grab uh, a, a couple uh, dozen donuts and drop them off at work too and then oh. I get my little, my little two free donuts personally myself I can nice. enjoy in my office but I think early on it was little things like that and at night um, substituting my daily whiskey with something else um at first it was like cookies okay uh crumble cookies is a calorie destroyer <laughs> but, but 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 um but yeah it was stuff like that 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 i would have and just kind of supplement like that like try to create some different routines work on that because my routine always was all right it's the end of the night pour myself a fist of bourbon mm-hmm. and, and that's how i'm unwinding yeah and I needed something to try and work with there and, and sweets and stuff like that definitely became a thing and I, I'm very health conscious now and always ate pretty well so the, the sweets were, were something I just allowed myself and I was just like you know what 
just focus on the fact that you didn't drink today and we'll worry about these calories along the way as we get to where we need to be and with sobriety kicking off with Pelotonia at the same time I was writing a bunch so those calories didn't add up until the holidays until the holidays (laughs) and then (laughs) they they came on quick but we're coming out of the winter months here and uh, now into the lovely breezy spring months power out in your side of town uh, this past week from all the windstorms and but it, but at least the sun's back out I feel like this spring I'm I've got a better I don't know what how would you compare this this March um, and April time frame to last year at this time like how are you feeling just in, in general focused uh, I think as opposed to last year where I was just starting sobriety in March and stuff like that and really figuring things out altogether. Like, I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to do things. Because it, it was still uncomfortable for me to go out to dinner because I always had drinks with dinner. Yeah. And I never would get sloshed at dinner. Like, dinner was, like, two-drink minimum. I was fine at dinner. Moderated dinner. And I'd come home and drink, and that was the problem. Like, I'd compound on what I did at dinner. But going out to there, just feeling comfortable of asking questions. Do you have an NA beer? Do you need, like, coffee, tea, whatever you want to drink? Like, just not having that drink that you always associated with going out. So going out to dinner was an early trigger. And I felt horrible because, like, I still want to go out to dinner with my wife. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Or go out and see friends and stuff like that. But initially, it was a, it was a challenge. I felt probably unfocused, uh, disorganized, just trying to figure things out. Okay. Whereas now, I have a pretty set plan. I have ideas on, on what I do. I'm very comfortable. I reach out ahead of time before I even go places okay. um, to see if they have any options. Because I do, I like, I didn't pound beer after my 20s and high school. Like, I didn't drink beer to get drunk. I drank beer for the taste. So, any beers was an easy niche for me to fall into yeah. because they're, they're pretty good. They are. <laughs> the, the craft beers, any brews or whatever you want to call them, are pretty tasty. Yeah. Um, so, that was a nice thing for me because, like, I can have an any brew and not have any cravings from it it doesn't trigger anything for me or any of that it's it's just something i enjoy okay cracking open that can having that crisp flavor or whatever type you have and it's been great and i think early on in sobriety in the spring i was still trying to figure all that out like like what is there for me now that i'm sober and i tried some of the na brews and I, i really enjoyed them um so that was like an aha moment for me like hey we've got this like i've got this thing i can make this work so you can still order something when you're out to yeah, dance. Yeah, and, and then reach out, and I try to make sure that when I do go out, I, I frequent places that have options. Yeah. Um, if we find places that don't, I reach out communicate to them, and if they are jerks about it, then I don't go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Columbus is, is uh, a little behind. Some of the other cities and stuff have visited where they have them at most places. They're still learning here, which is crazy because you have BrewDog here yeah. who's got a ton of AF beers and stuff like that. But Nationwide's got athletic. Yeah. Uh, the Crew Stadium, uh, Lower.com's got athletic. I think Ohio Stadium uh, has athletic. So we're I getting this. I just went to a crew game a couple weeks ago and I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. Dang. You got you to look for them a little bit, okay. but they're All right. there. All right. um, and, I, and I try to while I go through those and while I learned through all of that stuff in the early phases, that disjointed phase of documenting and stuff, where I was finding things, what I was doing while I was out so that if others were around Columbus or any place that I was, like I did I did the same when I was vacationing in Charleston. Okay. Like find those things and show people that there are options out there if that's your thing and this is what you do and I think seeing other people do it makes you a little more comfortable doing it yourself, asking those questions. Um, yeah. 
uh, Ashley Rome here in Columbus was a part of the Dry Talks panel okay. and did an awesome job speaking about what it's like for her going out. And she's very forward about reaching out to the places, uh, talking to them ahead of time, finding out what they'll do, see if they'll if they don't have it, if they'll bring stuff in. Uh-huh. And that was just another like aha moment for me this year of like people want you to come to their places right. <laughs> so 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 don't be afraid like reach out talk to them and i'd say at least 75 percent of the time they're really receptive i've had a lot of times where they're like we have this would you like us to get something else and yeah. that's just like blows my mind like wow. oh yeah that's right they want our business yeah. so they want me to be there and they want me to come back absolutely so so that was long-winded went off a little tangent but, no 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 but this year it's more it's much more focused i'm in a comfortable zone i'm starting peloton you're back up like okay. i've got a plan that it's not even a plan anymore it's more of just second nature mm-hmm. um so it's it's more focused I've, I've got it i'm comfortable that's where i'm at this this time around okay uh, the theme of this spring's season on i kiss i'll go goodbye is um i I'm calling it owning our own stories. So, like, how are... Because for me, there's there are um, a lot of things in my past that I, I'm either embarrassed or ashamed about that I'm trying to work through. Like, And so I'm asking each of the guests um, that I have this spring, just how have you owned your story through this? Like, how, how have you dealt with those things like embarrassment, guilt, or shame? Um, in a previous episode, I called it the itty-bitty shitty committee is what one of my... <laughs> One of my coaches uh, on the reframe app had, had named it, and so I totally plagiarized that. Um, you know, have you experienced any of that? And if you have, um, how have you dealt with it? And if you haven't, why? Because I think you know, or just tell me the degree to which it's it's there on the spectrum, and then kind of like how you cope with it if it is. Yeah, so I definitely had plenty of cringy moments annihilated. Um, maybe not so much in my thirties when I was doing a lot of damage at home by myself. Yeah. Um, but in my 20s, binge drinking, I was always the FOMO guy, like last guy standing, yeah. which always meant I was one of the most hammered people yeah. and somehow still standing. Yeah. Uh, so plenty of cringy moments there. So I try to not be too harsh on myself with those when I look back and realize, like, own it. That sucked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you weren't awesome then. Uh, you were pretty stupid. And, and, and just own it. Realize that that sucked and that wasn't who you should have been at the time and as far as early on and and how I felt and and with myself there was a lot of shame um, and anger because when I started sobriety and stuff like that and things started going well for me and I changed my look like my face looked different and everything Mm -hmm. and I sat there and looked at myself in the mirror and I'm like what the hell took you so long Mm. like you were a shell of yourself you were this empty puffy mess and all it took was to eliminate alcohol like and and i know having gone through all of that like that's a huge ask like it's a big deal it's a lot of work yeah but like how did i not come to that realization further so early on i was pretty angry with myself um i was not kind I think that that definitely hurt early on with sobriety too. It didn't make things any easier. Okay. Um, but looking back on the cringy stuff, it was so far back that I try to to, to be kind. But it, it it does hit a little more like if you run into people from your past, like you haven't seen in a while, uh, and you're like, yeah. oh yeah, the last time you saw me, I was like blackout drunk, yeah. and that's embarrassing. <laughs> and a lot of the times, I would say 
you're harsher than others are to yourself. They don't see it through those same glasses. Either they were drunk at the time, too, or what. But, like, a lot of times you run into somebody like that, they're just like, hey, it's good to see you. And they're not like, oh, you were annihilated last night. They've already forgotten about that. Meanwhile, you're here dwelling on it, wanting to to die. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because all you can think about is that cringy moment. Um, So I'm kind to myself when I look back on them now, but I also stop and and think, like, man, if if you could do things differently, that'd be great. But try not to dwell on it too much kind of take that same 10 to 15 minute approach like you can sit and dwell on it for a little bit but like move on it's the past like there's nothing you can do about it now yeah um so i don't know that there's anybody that i really need to to reach out and apologize to who i haven't already um my brother dealt with a lot of me as a ridiculous drunk when we lived on campus so he deserves all the props in the world for not just Often me in my sleep because <laughs> I was a lot to deal with. So, well, but that's a pretty, uh, you know, if you're, you're talking about Ohio State, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's a, it's. I mean, I'm an OU guy. I'm wearing my OU hat. Like, you know, two notorious party schools, two very good schools, right? But I mean, there's the campus at Ohio State is is not exactly a a dry place. So, I mean, you know, yeah. And I, there was most nights where I wasn't drinking every night and then but I when I did drink I went hard and I it'd be a miracle if I made it home but where I was who knows didn't wander up like I was a mess then and it never hit me Uh, and it maybe because I wasn't drinking daily but like those are the things it's funny because like what got me into trouble was the drinking daily at home oh that was so bad like what the hell but for those ones um thank you for that and like for the people who are early in like say a year behind where we are now they're in their first spring right like how what would you say to them about that too about being kind to themselves because I feel like that was part of certainly part of where I was at as well which was like just reflecting on everything and just trying to find a way to to not kick the crap out of myself like what would you say to that person who's in their first first month of sobriety um I think it's really difficult to not beat yourself up yeah um like where I didn't have shame with it, I was just pissed. Okay. Um, yeah. So I think you feel one or the other or both. Okay. Um, I don't think you can do anything to not feel that way um, okay. because you do come to that realization. Like I don't, I don't blame alcohol. Okay. Um, I'm not like anti-alcohol or anything like that. My, I, I don't think that would be successful for me to okay. like latch onto that. That would be not focusing on the fact that I have unresolved issues. So that's where I didn't look to blame alcohol through that. So I blamed myself. I was really hard on myself. And I don't think that was helpful. (laughs) Um, But I don't know that there's a good way to not go about it. I think you are going to have to beat yourself up a little bit. It's going to happen. What I would say is as you're doing that, realize that there's so much more moving forward so while you're going to be a little hard on yourself realize that there are better things on the horizon things do get more i hate to say easier i I don't like to say that it it, you get into a groove i think it gets more comfortable okay um and there's not some magic time that it happens i know for me i don't think i hit that period until 11 months okay where i just hit it and i'm like you know what like I feel really good. And I had periods of being comfortable along the way. Like, uh, I talked about it 
um, with uh, Ashley Rethinking Alcohol on Instagram about going to a work conference when I was in a really good place right after Pelotonia. I was feeling awesome and I was in a comfortable place and I went to a work event that was going to be all alcohol and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So you have periods of that, but I think eventually you do hit that period of I am comfortable with my sobriety. Um, Josh uh, spoke about it on uh, his podcast, uh, No Proof, that you get to the point where you are no longer, hi, I'm sober, I'm Josh, to I am me and happen to be sober. Happen to be sober. And eventually you hit that point and you're always going to have something to work on. Um, Call it comfortable but not complacent. Like, be like a sponge because I don't think any... I never found one way or the other that really was some magic sobriety path. Mm-hmm. I just kept following people and reading and learning and trying to take pieces of everything to form my own path. And it worked. It took time. Uh, there were pieces that didn't fit, moved on. Um, but I just think it's important to, to learn. Um, whether it be via podcast, reading uh, the uh, the books and, and something that just working. and it doesn't look the same for everybody. Yeah. So stop thinking that it looks one way and realize that anybody can have a problem with alcohol. It can be little, it can be big. You don't have to have a massive problem with alcohol to stop. Okay. Uh, you just need to acknowledge that. Oh yeah, I guess my life might be better without alcohol, and I can tell you, I have a hard time to tell you that it's not going to get better with alcohol because I can't think of too many times now where alcohol would be adding something to my life. I guess one last thing that um, I, I got asked this recently and I probably should share and discuss like about it but it's I get asked do you miss it? Uh-huh. And I think it surprises people when they hear how much I love sobriety and how th- things are going well is yeah I actually do. I do and, too. Like, yeah. yeah, like I miss bourbon. Yeah. Um, I miss the taste of it. I don't miss being drunk. Um, I miss the ease of going out and ordering a drink because it's on the menu and there's no problem. Like it's it's not a big deal kind yeah. of thing. I miss the ease of it. Uh, I miss the taste. But I don't miss anything else that was with it. Like mm. I don't miss being drunk. I don't miss coming home to the escape. Like I don't miss feeling like hell, having no energy to yeah. do things like those are the things that keep me going is that I don't miss anything else outside of the taste. This is really good stuff, man. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, I appreciate you having me. This has been great. How can people connect with you if they want to, do, if they want to reach out? Yeah, um, on Instagram, easiest way to get a hold of me. Um, hashtag underscore underscore AF. Um, you can find me there. Um, if you ever want to talk, shoot me a message. Um, I try to post a little more regularly, but... Um, in this awesome place of uh, sobriety where I'm trying to take in feeling good and I think that's really important and I've done the same thing I haven't really posted like across the winter I think since November I've only posted a couple of reels or pictures or anything I my one year I, you know I posted and and uh, have done a handful of things but kind of taking some of that pressure off myself too for feeling like I have to be you know because I want to recover out loud as well but I also don't want to you know put too much undue pressure on myself like I want to make sure that I'm still putting myself first and it sounds like it sounds like you've done that throughout your process and yeah. thanks for taking time out of a Sunday morning to come meet at Jolly Pirate and uh, now we should like have our donuts because we actually get to talking <laughs> before we even ate so alright well Andrew and I since, since I don't have Al with me but Andrew and I send you all of our sober love and we say goodbye <laughs> alcohol Mwah. hello life much love to you all and peace <laughs>